Is this the year the Falcons finally have a good pass rush? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by eBay Motors, a championship team. is about each player being a perfect fit, and the same goes with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay's guaranteed fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. And we thank each and every one of you that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. Of course, it, it you know, following the footsteps of the everyday. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> My intro. I just, I'm out of it today. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So let's try to get this thing back on track. I don't know. I'm just sitting here being silly at the start of the podcast. And you're like, it's, it's, it's it starts normal like that all the time, Aaron. But um, today we'll be talking about the pass rush. We'll talk about a couple of roster moves. We'll answer a listener question about adding additional pass rushers. Uh, but, you know, will the Falcons pass rush be good? And this is part of what we've been talking about all week long as we kick off training camp here, which is sort of the big questions heading into training camp, which is really the big questions heading into the season, right? You know, we won't necessarily get definitive answers to these questions in training camp. A couple of these we might get definitive answers, like the you know who's going to win starting positions, but the big picture stuff, you know, like are the Falcons going to have a, a decent pass rush this year? Uh, we won't really know until we get to September. Now, earlier this offseason, we talked about the Falcons' free agent additions, like David Onyemata, Kay Nellis, Calais Campbell, you know, doing a lot to raise the floor for the Falcons' pass rush. And earlier this week, uh, you know, in my free time, uh, which I have plenty of. Uh, you know, I did a projection on sort of what I expect for some of the key players in this Falcons front, you know, ahead of training camp. And maybe as we get to closer to the season, I might do another projection to see what changes. But basically just crunching the numbers based off of how many snaps I think certain guys are going to get, which, you know, is just a guess at this point in time. But looking at kind of their average pressure rates or average sack conversion rates. And the total I came up with was about 35 sacks for this unit this year. Now, I wouldn't call that their floor. Uh, you know, I think if I actually crunched the numbers on what their floor would be, it would be somewhere around like 28 sacks or something like that. Uh, if basically everybody just has whatever seasons. But, you know, I, I feel like that 35 number is probably closer to the eye level than it probably is the floor at this point in time. And for a lot of these young players, like an Arnold Abiquetti, some of these guys that don't have a ton of experience, where you can't really base it off of, you know, long-term career averages. Like in the case of Calais Campbell, I didn't necessarily base it off of his career averages, more like the last six years. And, you know, with Abiquetti, he wound up leading the team in sacks based off of these projections with six sacks, followed right behind by Grady Jarrett with five and a half. Caden Ellis had five, and Calais Campbell had four and a half. And, you know, if the Falcons are able to break 
that 30 number will be the first time since 2018 that the Falcons as a team have had 30 or more sacks. And we talked before, you know, where, you know, you're shooting for 40, right? Because in a 17 game season, 40 sacks is roughly around what the average is in today's NFL. And the Falcons haven't had a 40 sack season as a defense since 2004. Now I feel pretty confident if not, or at least optimistic, if not confident that the Falcons will at least approach that league average number of 40, right? They'll get on the right side of 30 uh, and we'll see if they can approach 40 and exceed 40. Um, And, you know, as I say, that's league average in today's NFL. And to a lot of people, that's like, okay, you're average, but here in Atlanta, you know, that's cause for a parade just because of how bad the Falcons pass rush has been for as long evidenced by the fact that it's been five years since the Falcons have broken 30. It's been almost 20 years since the Falcons have broken uh, 40 sacks. So, you know, I think with the four aforementioned players that I had projected to lead the team in sacks, those are kind of the four players that, you know, when we talk about where this team's floor is in terms of its pass rush, um, those are the guys that I think really have the chance to really raise this team's ceiling as a pass rush if they have better years than what I'm potentially projecting them, right? And that includes Arnold Ebiketti, Grady Jarrett, Calais Campbell, and Caden Ellis. And, you know, talking about Caden Ellis, we talked earlier this offseason about his potential to be a double-digit sack guy, which was primarily based off of the fact that, you know, he got roughly six or seven sacks playing like 80% of the snaps in like half the season, for the Saints last year, and it's the idea like, okay, what happens if he plays 100% of the snaps in 17 games? Where would those sack numbers be? And like, I think the number I, I mentioned on a previous episode was like, it was like 13 or 14 sacks. And it's not to say that he's going to hit that mark. Um, you know, I think it's probably more likely that he'll get half that number somewhere in that six, seven range is probably the more likelier outcome. But I certainly think the potential is there that Caden Ellis could do that right if he basically plays as well as he did last year down the stretch for the saints and and just you know with twice as much playing time you know you could see him break double digit sacks now we've also talked already about grady jarrett having a potential career year this year right and you know we looked at last year's production at the beginning of the season where grady jarrett got off to this hot start and then kind of petered out as we got to the middle of the season in part due to, you know, wearing down and all that stuff. And it's the idea that with the improved supporting cast, you won't see Grady Jarrett wear down as quickly as he did last year. And so instead of having half a season of playing at that level, what happens if he has a full season at that level? And all of a sudden you're talking about rather than a quote unquote, typical Grady Jarrett year of four to six sacks, which he's had most years he's been in the NFL, you know, could he hit his career high this year, which would be eight sacks for him right? Or more in that number. And then we haven't really talked about projections for Calais Campbell's production a a lot this offseason. But when I was in the process of doing these projections, you know, I couldn't help but notice how much more productive Campbell was in Jacksonville uh, versus Baltimore when in Jacksonville, he was playing much more of that sort of D end role that we're expecting him to play here in Atlanta. And it's not to suggest that, you know, Campbell's going to put up double digit sacks uh, playing that role like he did in Jacksonville back in 2017 and 2018, you know, when they were known as Saxonville. Um, It's more that like 
there's a lot more room for growth that, you know, if you look at the player he was in Baltimore, which was primarily like a four to five sack guy, like maybe he now all of a sudden he's like a six, seven, eight sack guy, you know, playing this role here in Atlanta. So that will be something to keep an eye on as well. And that's what we're talking about. Where we're raising the ceiling for this team where, you know, these guys that we're talking about, you know, instead of getting one or two more sacks, than what I'm projecting to get, you know, maybe it's possible that they get three, four or five more sacks than we're getting. And all of a sudden we're talking about instead of going from a 35 sack team, you know, we're talking about a 45 or, or more sort of sack team. And then, you know, you look at Arnold Abikitti, who's probably the biggest wild card of this group that we're talking about. And in the process of doing this research for this projection, you know, I, I looked at the three players that I compared Arnold Abikitti to when we drafted him, which is floor comparison was Dante Fowler his eye level was Harold Landry and his ceiling was Demarcus Lawrence and I noticed a trend looking at those guys' numbers throughout their careers which is that in year two you know their pressure rates at least were very close to what their career average pressure rates were right like within a few percentage points of what that career average was and you know, I'd have to do further research into whether that's a consistent trend in the NFL or it's just kind of unique to those three guys. Um, but it does sort of underline the importance of that year two jump for pass rushers because it's basically the idea that whatever jump Arnold Ebikitty makes is likely going to be the consistent, you know, line that he'll be at for most of his career. Again, averages you know how averages work so it's not to say that he's going to be that every single year but you get it um so you know lawrence was the lone guy in that group that made a significant jump in pressure rate although all the three of those guys made significant jumps in sack totals even if their pressures did not go up so you're expecting you know ebiketti to make a significant jump in sacks this year and it's a question of, you know, does he have the potential to be a double-digit sack guy? And again, I think the potential is there. You know, I probably feel a lot more comfortable projecting six to eight sacks for Arnold Abikitty this year. But similar to the reasons that we're talking about with Grady Jarrett having a career, you could also see a similar jump from Arnold Abikitty this year because it kind of illustrates why I'm optimistic about this year's pass rush because you have a lot more complementary skill sets with this group uh, compared to previous years with the Falcons group. And so that will allow players to enhance one another, right? And I talked about this a lot last year when we were breaking down both Arnold Abiketti and D'Angelo Malone and their potential in the NFL because one player that we brought up in both of those conversations was Yannick Ngakwe. And Ngakwe was a former teammate of Calais Campbell in Jacksonville. And in, I think it was in specifically D'Angelo Malone episode, I broke down how like Ngakwe's production with Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson in Jacksonville was very different for what Ngakwe's production has been elsewhere in his career, right? That because Ngakwe is a speed rusher, having those two interior guys that could push the pocket really enhanced his ability to get home and, and affect the quarterback. And it's the idea that, you know, if you have a speed rusher on the outside, that forces the quarterback to step up in the pocket. And if you have that interior push from the D tackles, that prevents that quarterback from really stepping up. And so then the D tackles can make plays because the speed rusher is forcing him into their lanes. Or you can have that interior pass rush, you know, collapse the pocket and that prevents the quarterback from stepping up to avoid pressure. And that allows those speed rushers on the outside to get home. So I think, you know, there's a lot more confidence for this Falcons pass rush entering training camp that they're actually going to be competent this year. And, you know, that's a huge step forward for this team. 
Um, and I think, you know, the potential to be more than competent is, is definitely there if certain players outperform their expectations. Now, I'm sure some of you are wondering, like, what are my thoughts on the players beyond the four that we discussed mainly today in Jarrett, Campbell, Ebiketti, and Ellis? And, you know, are there other players that could have breakout years? And my answer to that question is probably no. You know, not to say that those other players like Bud Dupree and D'Angelo Malone and Lorenzo Carter and David Onyemata and Taquan Graham, et cetera, you know, won't contribute and, and, and be productive. But I wouldn't put too many eggs in that basket in terms of any of those guys having far exceeding expectations in terms of what their production will be. So, you know, but now is the time of year where you can be a little bit more optimistic than usual. And so if you want to, you know, push your D'Angelo Malone, Bud Dupree, Taquan Graham, Zach Harrison, whatever agendas in the comments on this video, you know, feel free to do so. Uh, just know that I think you're probably setting yourself up a little bit to be disappointed this year. Uh, and, you know, by the time we get to this point next year, you know, and you start pushing that hype train again, you know, I'm going to bring out the receipts, right? Because I always do. And I always remember all your bad takes. And speaking of bad takes, um, at least this was originally going to be my transition to talking about Ryan Nielsen and his potential to uh, raise the floor for this defense as a play caller. But instead, the Falcons decided to make some roster moves on Tuesday. And we'll get into exactly those moves that involve Calais Campbell and Caleb Huntley and a unicorn of a tight end as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you've heard me talk in the past over the last year about, you know, what BetterHelp has done for me, right? Therapy has helped me understand the idea and really implement the idea that I can only control what I can control. I can't control the Falcons' ability to win football games, but I can control the quality of the podcast. And many of you guys have pointed out to me over the past year since I started therapy that you felt like the podcast quality has improved. And, you know, that's thanks indirectly to BetterHelp. And sometimes in life we're, we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. And whether those issues surround your career, your relationships, or anything else, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate through life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I cannot recommend uh, BetterHelp enough. It's... Uh, done entirely online and so therefore it's kind of designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire you'll get matched quickly with a licensed therapist and then if you want you know you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge so let therapy be your map so let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. So the Falcons made a couple of roster moves on Tuesday. Probably the most notable is re-signing unicorn tight end Michael Pruitt. They also put Calais Campbell on the non-football injury list or the NFI. We'll circle back to that a little bit later. The team cut running back B.J. Baylor, who they had put on the injured reserve back in May, and the team also cut running back Caleb Huntley with a failed physical designation. Our friend Josh Kendall of The Athletics says, said on Tuesday that it, that failed physical might not be related to the Achilles tear that caused him to, you know, to miss part of last season and 
we assume prompted him to go on the physically unable to perform list on Thursday of this past week. So we'll get, we'll see if we can get some more clarity on that as the week unfolds. But uh, you know, we talked earlier this week about uh, Huntley going on that physically unable to perform list or that pup list and talked about some of the different outcomes for previous Falcon players in the last couple of summers that have gone in at pup list. And we mentioned Deidre Sanat, who was cut with an injury settlement settlement a few weeks into camp after going on that pup list. And that's, basically basically not exactly the same but basically what happened with caleb huntley so um he's gone right and he's probably done in atlanta now it's possible that the falcons could bring him back at a later date but uh you know it's unlikely right if the falcons had plans to keep caleb huntley they would just probably just have kept caleb huntley now our good buddy uh daniel flick over at sports illustrated um you know, talked about Huntley being on track for his rehab to get back on the field by the end of August. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but doesn't seem like he'll be back on the field with the Atlanta Falcons at the end of August. So, um, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. We'll, we'll be rooting for uh, him, you know, moving forward. We'll see if he can get his career back on track. Earlier this week, we talked about how, you know, the Achilles injury – can potentially be devastating for running backs. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll hope that, you know, Duke Huntley can uh, overcome the odds. Now, when it comes to Michael Pruitt, you know, he probably solidifies that tight end four spot where the expectation was that last year's six-round pick out of Georgia, John Fitzpatrick, as well as everybody's favorite uh, converted quarterback, Felipe Franks, were likely going to compete for that fourth tight end spot on the roster and I think the Pruitt signing firmly puts both of those guys on the roster bubble if they weren't already there. It's hard to imagine Pruitt losing a competition to either one of those two without them either one of those guys making a massive leap forward this summer. And it's a little personally disappointing to me because I was looking forward to seeing Fitzpatrick play because we didn't really get an opportunity to see that last year as he was coming off that injury. And of course, I also have a soft spot for Felipe Franks, you know which puts me on an island because I, I know it's just me and his grandmother are the only people <laughs> that do not have negative, or at least the only Falcon fans I've ever come across that do not have negative opinions of Felipe Franks, I guess me and, and Arthur Smith, but I don't know if Arthur Smith's actually a Falcon fan, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I liked what Pruitt did last year, but to, for me, at least, you know, the timing of this move, I'm just like, you know, the Falcons didn't sign Pruitt last summer, until like the third week of training camp. And so like, I'm like, yeah, you could have done that now this summer. You could have waited another two weeks to sign Michael Pruitt and give some of these young guys an opportunity, but you know, it's whatever. So let's talk a little bit about Campbell going on the NFI list. Now you can basically think of the NFI, the non-football injury list as the pup list, you know, except for the difference is the players suffered their injury away from the team facility. So, you know, if you slip in the shower, you can go on the NFI list. If you're working out on your own and you drop a weight on your toe, you can go on the NFI list. So we haven't got exactly the the word on what the injury for Campbell is. By all accounts, it suggests that it's nothing serious. Um, so hopefully we'll get a, a an update in a matter of days on the specifics of Campbell's injury as well as the timetable for him to return to practice. But it sounds like, you know, well, it'll be a couple of days, maybe. So he'll continue to count towards the Falcons 90 man roster. Uh, he can come off that NFI list at any point later this summer. And, and if he's still on it by the end of training camp, 
then that will lead to an, a, a separate conversation about you know him missing games during the regular season but we will cross that bridge if and when we get to it but it sounds like we're not going to get to that bridge so uh we'll we'll see what updates we get later this week so with Campbell on the men for an undisclosed time that potentially means the Falcons have room for some additional help on the defensive line and we'll answer a listener question that gets at you know whether or not the Falcons should be bringing in more pass rushers to help this pass rush that we're hoping can be quote-unquote competent this upcoming season we'll break that down as we continue today's locked on Falcons but first I want to give a shout out to my everydayers guys uh you know for tomorrow's episode, we'll probably talk about Ryan Nielsen and what expectations can be for him. We might also talk about expectations for the Falcons secondary uh, to match up with, you know, this conversation about the front and the pass rush. So that will be potentially your first listen on tomorrow's episode. So, again, you know, do what the everydayers do and make sure you check us out on your preferred podcast platform. So our question comes from Ali Khan L. He says, uh, for my second listen, I also listened to ATL Day Ones and one of the other shows, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. He keeps talking about how the Falcons have invested heavily in non-premium positions and defending writers that gave the Jesse Bates acquisition a C plus. He also goes on to say, we haven't invested in people getting to the quarterback. I thought from what we had available in free agency, we invested a lot in the D-line and being able to improve our sack numbers. I mean, we did not get an alpha edge rusher, but there wasn't one available in my opinion. I would like to have your thoughts on this. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Ali Khan. Um, I think given the circumstances, the Falcons weren't able to get an alpha edge rusher this offseason because there wasn't really one available and i think the falcons did the best they can basically their options were limited and you know it was marcus davenport J. Davion county and yannick Ngakwe. and i wouldn't necessarily know if any of those guys qualify as a quote-unquote alpha right now from what i understand the falcons tried to sign marcus davenport he just wound up choosing to sign with the minnesota vikings uh clowney is a big name but you know the last couple of years you know clowney hasn't been this difference maker as a pass rusher you know he's basically been a kind of a five sack guy the last couple of years. Right. And, you know, Ngakwe has been a little bit more of a consistent producer. He's kind of a perennial eight sack guy. Um, hasn't been a whole lot more than that the last couple of years since leaving Jacksonville. Um, and you couple that with probably the expectation that, you know, he's a little smaller than maybe what Nielsen would prefer uh, in terms of edge rushers in terms of guys that can be impactful with those lighter boxes that the Falcons are expected to play. And we'll, we'll talk potentially more about that idea on tomorrow's episode. Um, but, you know, you, you look at specifically um, Clowney and Ngakwe who are unsigned. You could also throw Justin Houston. I, I feel like John Chuckery has mentioned those three names as possibilities for the Falcons to pick up uh, at this point in the off season. Um, but with Clowney and, and Ngakwe, especially like it is interesting that they have changed teams so much the last couple of years. And so, you know, is that simply due to the fact that they have desired long-term contracts and, and just continually settle for like one year prove it deals? Um, or is there some other reason why no team wants to commit long-term to those guys? So that is certainly a topic worthy of debate uh, when talking about why a team like the Falcons hasn't signed one of those guys. So, you know, I, I understand uh, John Chuckery's point when it comes to the Falcons could certainly use another pass rusher. 
you know, if, if we're projecting this current unit to be a 35 sack unit, um, you know, an addition of cloudy is potentially the thing that pushes you over to 40, right. An addition of Ngakwe, you know, get you closer to 45 potentially. So certainly, you know, that would make the team better. Um, but I probably wouldn't agree with John that it's a pressing issue. Right. And, you know, that's mostly due to reiterating the point that the Falcons are kind of in phase two of the rebuild, not phase three. Um, and I think really giving Arnold Bichetti as much runway to sort of grow this season and showcase what he can do this season is the right call for the Atlanta Falcons. And then, you know, depending on what Epiketti does, if, you know, if he has a six act season, okay. You know, that, 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 you know, I wouldn't say that's a disappointment, but um, you know, it wouldn't be great, right? <laughs> it wouldn't be ideal. I think a lot of people are hoping that Epiketti's a, a, a 10 sack guy. Uh, that's probably closer to ideal. So we'll see if he can get there and, you know, bring in somebody else that will take snaps away from him, you know, prohibits the Falcons from finding out you know, sort of exactly what his potential is. And so you go into next offseason, hopefully more informed on what your current talent level is, and you can plan accordingly. And, you know, I, I liken this to a little bit to 2020 because I was very vehemently, you know, sort of criticizing the Falcons for some of their offseason investments that year when it came to the pass rush. Like for me, I was very critical of the team's decision after the draft to trade for Charles Harris, who was a reclamation project at that point in time, rather than going out there and getting a, a proven, a more proven pass rusher at that point in time. And, and the main reason for that then was 2020 was a make or break year for that coaching staff. And this year is not a make or break year for this coaching staff. And I know there's, you know, a lot of talk among certain corners of the fan base, certain corners of not only the local, but the national media that Arthur Smith and company are, are on the hot seat entering the season. And they like the Falcons have to make the playoffs or, or else, you know, but I think that's a gross mischaracterization of what's actually going on in Atlanta. Like, obviously I think the Falcons are expected to win. There are expected to make the playoffs, but I don't think it's a, or else sort of situation. It is not, you know, that sort of situation where it's like, they're going to clean house after the season, if they fall short of those goals. Right. And, you know, obviously I think adding another pass rusher would help them achieve those goals of, of playing meaningful games in January, but I don't see it as massively as a need as I think Chuck does. So um, you also couple that with, you know, next off season should be the Falcons should have more opportunities to get at least closer to that alpha pass rusher than they had this off season. Right now, Nick Bosa and Brian Burns certainly are not going to hit free agency. I doubt Rashawn Gary is going to hit free agency, but you could see, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Josh Uche, Josh Allen, Carl Lawson, Daniel Hunter, Leonard Floyd, Zadarius uh, Smith, Jerry Hughes, Brandon Graham, all potentially hit free agency. And you have, you know, young players in that group that are talented with potential. You have, you know, proven veterans in that group. You have savvy older guys that are maybe ring chasing at that point in time. So, you know, you, you will have plenty of options, not to mention, you know, cap cuts, trades, and the draft as other avenues to upgrade that pass rush. So I don't think there's any room for people. There's no need to panic when it comes to the Falcons need to sign this guy. Right. You know, you know, it's just, it, to me, it's, it's fundamentally different between what's going on in Atlanta in 2023 than what it was in 2020. And so I don't 
tend to agree with with John that it's as pressing an issue. It, it's an issue. Don't get me wrong, right? You know, you can always as I think. <clears throat> sorry, Chuckery puts it as like you know, no one ever says that you can have enough pass rushers. I can't remember the exact wording that he does. It sounds much better when he says it. Um, so go check out. <coughs> sorry, <laughs> go check out Hidden Hard. Um, to get the exact wording down, but I, I don't think it's as pressing an issue as he thinks it is. Right. Cause I, I don't think this is a make or break year. I, like I think the Falcons to me, this, this off season was the first of many steps that the Falcons are going to take to shoring up their pass rush. It's not it need. It needed to all be done now. Right. That's kind of the different mindset that I think we're all in. So I agree with you, Alec Khan. It's not as pressing and I, an issue. And I think the Falcons did about as well, as you could expect them to do as for, you know, giving Jesse Bates a C plus, yeah, you know, to each their own, but <clears throat> that's where we're going to leave it guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode. Um, hopefully I'll get to talk about the things I want to talk about on tomorrow's episode. You know, the, the way it works here with, with the Atlanta Falcons is when I plan out podcasts, the Falcons do stuff that I have to change my plans when I don't have plans for the podcast and the Falcons just kind of, twiddle their thumbs and i'm just hoping like do something so i can talk about it on the podcast so because i had plans this week for what we were going to talk about before practices kicked off on thursday you know the falcons were doing stuff so you know no complaints here it's just you know you got a audible you know at the last minute to talk about roster moves rather than talking about ryan nielsen but we'll punt that decision uh that that conversation till tomorrow's episode and and see what other potential moves that the falcons may make that may uh you know provide discussion on tomorrow's episode so continue to make us your first listen and of course you know if you want to get more insight from john chuckery as well as the rest of the folks over on the locked on sports atlanta podcast feed you of course can make them your second listen it's all part of locked on podcast network your team every 